All right. Well, today we are considering uh, and continuing, I should say, in our Joyful Christmas Proclamation Sermon Series. And today we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 uh, through 14 as our text. Uh, This is the passage that we'll be in both today uh, and Friday when we gather on Christmas Eve. And so today uh, we are reading uh, from a little different translation. Uh, Well, not a little different. We're reading from an entirely different translation uh, than what we often use here. Uh, We're going to be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible today. And I want to get right to the text and read it together. So I think it's on the screen behind me, or perhaps it will be. And there it is. And so you guys do such a good job at this. Join me again uh, in reading these uh, 14 verses. Here we go. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger." And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen to the word of the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful passage of Scripture? Last week from Matthew 18, we found the joyful proclamation that the baby born in Bethlehem would be called Emmanuel which means God with us. On Christmas Eve, from this section that we just read, we're going to focus on the joyful proclamation of Luke 2, 11, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For today, our focus is on the final verse of our reading and this joyful proclamation, glory to God in the highest, And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I'll say more about this as we go, but I just want to get right to the point at the outset and let you know, every single one of you in here today, that God has goodwill toward you. God has goodwill toward you. 
in a world full of divisiveness, in a world full of acrimony and incivility. That was the condition of the world at the time the angels made this proclamation, and it is the condition of the world now. And in that kind of world that they had then and we have now, the angel wanted the shepherds to know, and Luke wanted his readers to know, and by extension wanted us to know that God has goodwill toward you. The angels and Luke wanted people to have this message because God wants all of us together to know and he wants you personally to know he has goodwill toward you. The angels proclaimed it, Luke wrote it, because God wants you to know that he has goodwill toward you. But it's more than just a response that runs counter to the caustic and mean-spirited tone that was so prevalent in that time and that is so prevalent in the time that we live in. More than that, this message of goodwill is such a joyful proclamation because it is a message to people who have sinned against God, who have wronged God, who have ignored God, who have lived as if God does not exist. It is a message to people who have taken God off of his throne. They have dethroned him. They have removed him from his rightful place of rule in their lives, and they have positioned themselves as enemies of God. It is a message for all such people, which is everyone who has ever lived, including you. And the message is that in spite of all of that, in spite of the fact that we have removed God from the throne of our lives and put ourselves where only He is supposed to be, in spite of all of that, God still has goodwill toward mankind. And He still has goodwill toward you. It is a message for you that no matter how much you've sinned against God, no matter how often you've refused to honor His rule of your life, God has goodwill toward you. Whatever you've done, whoever you are, no matter how rotten you've been, God has goodwill toward you. This joyful proclamation was given to some shepherds who were living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks the night that Jesus was born. And an aspect of this story that we often forget is that the shepherds were not a respected class of people. Bruce Larson reminds us that they were actually a despised class of people, that the shepherds were outcast from respectable society. In the days of the angel's appearance to the shepherds, shepherds' honesty and integrity was so questionable that they were not even permitted to testify in a court of law. Now, the shepherds that received this message on this particular night were very likely pious Jews, but they remained a part of this outcast class of people. And yet, in spite of this reality, God chose through the angel of the Lord to reveal the meaning of the birth of Jesus to these shepherds, to these outcasts. They received a privileged message, even though they were part of an unprivileged social class. 
And this lets us know that God values and cares about the unprivileged, the underprivileged people in the world. And it says to us today that for any of us who have felt like we have been overlooked in life, you need to know that God values you, God cares for you, God has goodwill toward you. Other people may not have noticed you or appreciated you, but God does. If you're a person who has felt marginalized, God values you, God cares about you, God has goodwill toward you. If you're a person that feels like you've often been misunderstood, assumptions made about you because of where you came from, or your lack of formal education, or any other reason that people might have uh, failed to properly consider and appreciate you, you need to know that God's not like all of those people. God values you. God cares about you. God knows your worth, and God has goodwill toward you. If you've been mistreated in life, and most of us have, but some more so than others, you need to know that God values you. He loves you. He cares about you. God has goodwill toward you. God is for you. God is for you. The shepherds were not valued by society. They weren't, but they were greatly, greatly valued by God. So much so that he chose them to deliver these amazing proclamations that we see in Luke 2.14. He delivered these proclamations to them, these proclamations that we have been celebrating and rejoicing over for somewhere around 2,000 years. Make no mistake, even though God valued these shepherds who were outcasts, make no mistake... The shepherds, like all of humanity, were people who had dethroned God. Just like the rest of us, they had dethroned God. Their marginalized status and God's concern for them did not change that they stood in the same place as all of humanity, having sinned against God, having dethroned God. And so when the angel appeared to them, the Bible tells us that they were terrified And the angel had to reassure them that they did not need to fear. Why were they terrified? Here's why I think they were terrified. You look throughout the scriptures and whenever people were encountered by angels or the presence of the Lord throughout the Bible, it absolutely undid them because they understood that they were in the presence of holiness and that they were unholy. Even the great prophet Isaiah writes of being completely undone when he encountered the presence of holy God. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. When you see the glory of the Lord, you understand how unholy you really are. And it terrifies people and it terrified these shepherds. God is for the unprivileged, the underprivileged, the marginalized, but like all humanity, the shepherds needed a savior. And so the angels, the angel assures shepherds afraid because of their heavenly encounter, don't be afraid. God has goodwill toward you. And it is a joyful proclamation. Terrified, terrified. Before their divine encounter, 
but reassured God has goodwill toward you. I think that might be a joyful message to people terrified at encountering the divine. It's a joyful message. It's a joyful Christmas proclamation. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's the way the King James Version and the New King James Version of the Bible reads. And I chose that one because it's probably the most familiar translation of this particular verse of Scripture. But when you read other translations of this verse, you can come away wondering what exactly is the message of this verse. The NIV reads this way, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The ESV reads this way, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. And it gets really interesting when you realize that these other translations are generally accepted as being somewhat truer to the original language of Luke 2.14 than what is the New King James Version. And so this raises, at least it seems to me, some questions about the actual meaning of the verse. Is God favorable toward everyone? Is God, does he have goodwill toward everyone? Or is his goodwill toward those who he's pleased with? What exactly is the meaning? As is so often the case when there are translation variations in a passage, I think we get to the best understanding when we embrace each of the translations, because I think it's when we look at all three of the translations that I've read today that we get the fullest understanding of Luke 2.14. And so here's what I want to do in the rest of our time together. I want to share four statements that I believe get us to the very best understanding, or, or at least a, a fuller understanding, I should say, of Luke 2.14. So here's the first one, and this is the one that's clearest in the New King James Version of the Bible. God absolutely does have goodwill toward everyone. It's not just those that are pleasing to God in their conduct that God has goodwill toward God has goodwill toward absolutely everyone. And we know this because this is a message that shows up throughout the entirety of the Bible, and it is a message that is at the very heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The verse that I've quoted frequently recently, and of course is the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world, the world. That's the only qualification, the world, that he gave his one and only son. So Jesus came to earth. He condescended to take on human flesh, was born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem because God so loved the world. The world is full of people that are living in obedience to God and are living in disobedience to God. And there are no qualifiers here. There's no, hey, God... God loves the people in the world who are doing what he wants them to do. There's none of that. It's just God loves the world. He loves everybody in the world. God loves everyone, and God has goodwill toward every single person. Romans 5.8 lets us know this. It tells us that God demonstrated his love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Christ's death is the ultimate act of love. And he did it for people who were actively sinning against him. He, he did it for people, Christ did it for people, for people who were actively dethroning him from their lives. He did it for people who were hostile to him. And so we know that it is biblically true, correct, that God has goodwill toward everyone. There are no limits on God's goodwill. It's for all. And this is the truth that the King James and the New King James Version make very clear in their translation. It is what jumps out at you, at least it does to me, when I read the King James translation of this verse. But the word peace is also really important to Luke 2.14. The New King James Version says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And to my understanding, that sounds like it's a pronouncement of peace to all people. Yet when you read the other translations, it sounds like peace is limited to certain people. The NIV says, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The ESV says, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Makes it sound even a little more restrictive than the NIV. And so again, I think we come to the fullest understanding when we embrace all of these and fit them all together. So here's the second statement that helps us to properly understand the verse. Peace with God is available to everyone. God has goodwill toward everyone, and peace with God is available to everyone. 2 Peter 3.9 lets us know that God is not willing for anyone to perish, but He desires for everyone to come to repentance. He desires for everyone to be reconciled to Him. He desires for everyone to be at peace with Him. And of course, we could come up with just a huge list of verses that make this clear. It is a message that shows up again and again throughout the Scriptures. And so we can say with confidence that God has goodwill toward everyone. We can say with confidence that peace with God is available to everyone. But then we start to get to the truth that is a little bit clearer in the NIV and the ESV than what it might be in the New King James Version. And so here's the statement that helps us understand the fullest meaning of Luke 2.14. Peace is received by those on whom God's favor rests. Peace is received by those with whom God is pleased. God has goodwill toward everyone. Peace with God is available to everyone. But peace is only actually received by those with whom God is pleased. He offers it to all, only received by those with whom God is pleased. Loves the entire world, loves us when we are at our worst, loves us when we are hostile to Him, has goodwill toward the entire world, goodwill toward us when we're at our worst, goodwill toward us when we are hostile to Him, offers peace to the entire world, offers peace to us when we're at our worst offers peace to us when we're hostile to Him, but the peace He offers is only received 
by those upon whom God's favor rests, by those with whom God is pleased. Loves us at our worst, but his favor is not on us at our worst. Loves those who have dethroned him, but God is not pleased with those who have dethroned him. God has goodwill and offers peace to those who are hostile to him, but he is not pleased with people who are hostile to them. His favor does not rest on those who have placed themselves as his enemies. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, unless you repent, you will perish. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish. Unless you repent, there's no peace with God. Unless you repent, there is no reconciliation. It's available. It's available. But unless you repent, you're going to perish apart from God, unreconciled, having rejected the peace that God offers. Loves us all, has goodwill toward us, offers us all peace. But if we remain in our adversarial relationship with him, if we continue to dethrone him from our lives, if we continue in a hostile posture toward him, we're not going to have peace with him. If we don't repent, if we don't turn away from sin and turn toward God, Jesus himself said very clearly that we will perish. So if peace is available to all but only experienced by those with whom God is pleased, this brings us to an incredibly important question. Who is God pleased with? How do you become a person that God is pleased with? How does someone come to have the favor of God rest on them? How does a sinful person who has dethroned God get to the place where now God is pleased with them? And here's the answer. It's the fourth statement that helps us to understand Luke 2.14 more fully. Here it is. It is the very essence of the gospel. God is pleased with those who receive Jesus, his son. God is pleased with those who receive Jesus, his son. Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith pleases God. And specifically, faith in Jesus pleases God. John 3.16 again, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. What? What's it going to say? So that whoever believes in him. It's a qualifier. It doesn't say God so loved the world so everyone gets to have eternal life. 
It says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever will believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Faith in Jesus, his son, pleases God. God is pleased with those who receive Jesus. You see this all through the Bible. John 1, 10 through 13 says of Jesus, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. It is those who receive Jesus. It is those who believe in the name of Jesus that become children of God and receive the reconciliation and the peace that God offers us. It is those who believe and embrace the joyful proclamations of the angel of the Lord that we have seen in Luke 2 and come to understand who God is is really pleased with. It is those who come to see the baby born in Bethlehem's manger as the Savior, and they receive him, as we're going to talk about on Christmas Eve. And it is those who, in response to that, they join with the angel of the Lord and the multitude of the heavenly host, and they proclaim in their hearts glory to God in the highest God has goodwill toward everyone. Peace with God is available to everyone, but peace is only received by those with whom God is pleased. And God is pleased with those who receive Jesus, his son. If we take these four statements together, we come to a really good understanding of Luke 2.14. And here's my hope and my prayer for us today, I'm thankful for these joyful proclamations. And it is my hope and my prayer that each and every one of us are thankful for these joyful proclamations, that we are thankful for these truths that were proclaimed by the angel of the Lord, that were proclaimed by the multitude of the heavenly host. And it is my prayer that in each of our hearts this Christmas that these truths would produce joy in us. That we would understand them. That they would get deep into our spirit. And because we understand them, because they're deep in us, that we would be filled with joy because of them. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Are you thankful for that proclamation of the angel of the Lord? Amen. Let's stand.